I'm Anna Dow here. And on this episode of Reclaiming the Garden, we are having a conversation with our dear friend, Starchild, um, who, if you've yeah. been in any sort of QCF circles, you probably know, you know, they're the, they're the weird mystic poet person um, who brings just a very yes. loving, excitable energy, and I love it. Absolutely. Um, we were so honored to be able to have them on the show. I know we've wanted them on the show for a while now. Mm-hmm. Well, now um, they've got a, quite a few things to promote, so we'll have um, links to those awesome things in the show notes. Um, yes, yeah, but definitely. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Starchild, they, them, is a queer, autistic, somatic psychotherapist, poet, musician, mystic, and ex-pastor based in Williamsburg, Virginia. They have released two poetry books, Becoming God, which came out in 2022, and Alma, which came out in 2023, and a music album, which is the best name in the world. That's not part of the bio, but I have to <laughs> add that in there. Uh, Dolly for President, which came out in 2023. Oh my god, and I love the album cover Spotify. too. <laughs> yeah. Me too, it's great. And that album is available on Spotify and all other streaming platforms. So, Starchild, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Yes, and we met Starchild um, through the, uh, I think it was the, it was the com- virtual conference in 2022, I think, the virtual QCF yes, conference. Yes, our second conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you were up in all of the chats, and then you joined the little exangelical chat that Anne and I organized. Right. Yeah, we had friends. Yeah. yeah, ever since we got to meet in person at the 2023 conference, and I also got to hang out with you at the uh, Q Worship Collective songwriting retreat, which was so much fun. Yeah, um, yeah. and then also Starchild was at the oh, yeah, Q, Q Worship, Worship Weekend yes. uh, Collective in when it was in... Um, Southern California at Jess's church yeah. um, was when we got to meet in person for the first time. Um, and then, yeah, we hung out at conference last year. Yeah. Uh, and I was just talking before yeah. recording, you know, it'll probably be pretty easy for style child to make the Atlanta conference. Mm-hmm. That's just probably, I mean, ah, a cheap flight yeah. or you can road trip it. I don't know. Yeah, whatever yeah, I guess you're be, feeling. That would be not too bad a road trip. Uh, especially mm-hmm. if I can find cool queer buds to road trip with. Absolutely. But yeah. So how do we want to dive in? Uh, well, just let us know about your faith background, I guess, starting out. I mean, I guess you were part of the ex-evangelicals group, so I'm assuming there's some yeah. evangelical bullshit going on in your past. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> so I grew up um, Southern Baptist, and but I was in a moderate Southern Baptist household. Um, and my grandpa, um, was a regent at Baylor university. So he was like big in Texas Baptist politics. He was like best friends with Baylor's football coach. And, um, they, yeah. So I, I grew up like kind of in this like Texas Baptist royalty or something like that. I got to like watch football games from the sidelines at Baylor, which was really interesting. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, um, I got baptized when I was like eight because I was like this little autistic wonder boy, you know, quoting Bible verses at my preacher, you know, and I was like, I am ready because I've memorized this thing, you know, and, you know, of course we had the sword drills and all that stuff. And I got, I got all the gold stars, you know, like. Oh, explain what sword drills are. I know what they are from reading Rachel Hall Evans books, but right. um... yeah, like you, um, um, where where you? So I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked, but like you, you, they, they, they start. Don't they give you like like they start reading a few words of the? They start reading a few words of the verse, and you flip to the like to where the verse is, and you're like you point it out, and then you tell it, and then you recite the the whole thing or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I had so many. And then you get like little badges oh or something, gosh. almost like boy girl scouts, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I think. oh yeah. Is that oh, okay? There, there were like there were like gold stars, and I was a royal ambassador. I have to ask Star Child, were you um, in Awana? No, um, I I don't know. It, it might have not started when because I was I was coming up in the eighties, so I, I'm, I'm I'm an old old person, Generation X. Um. But yeah, so, um, and, um, yeah, and so, like, I was, you know, um, and, um, so, yeah, so I grew up, I grew up in that, and, but, but it was, but it was, like, moderate, because, like, um, 
we were against the fundamentalists. Um, and so like, you know, and that was what my grandpa would always say. So I'm conservative, but I'm not a fundamentalist, you know? And, um, and so that was like the world that, that I started out in, you know, and over time, you know, just, just saw fundamentalists like taking over, you know, all the Baptist things. And cause there's a period of time, like the Baptist pre, you well, know, when you look, when you look back at some of the Southern Baptist convention, sort of like statements of faith, you can see it progressively get more and more fundamentalist. Like I think, they, you know, were, even when Roe v. Wade happened, the Southern Baptists were actually that up in arms about it. They <laughs> were like, they were like pro-choice at first. Um, I think, I think I, I, I remember seeing that. Yeah. And, um, but it's just, it was just very, yeah. I mean, blah, I don't even, wow. Yeah. But like, I mean, the thing I kept on seeing that started getting my wheels turning, like even as a teenager was like reading these newsletters from like the Baptist thing where they would like attack, uh, like Baptists would attack other Baptists who were sort of known to associate with people who associated with homosexuals or whatever, you know, like, 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 and, and you would see like, there would be these like articles in these newsletters that I don't know, got sent to our house or something like that. And I would read that and I would like say, maybe this anti-gay thing is really like a guilt by association power play. Um, you know, and it, it just really, you know, started my wheels turning. I mean, I never thought, um, there were a lot of things that I just didn't believe that I just kind of kept to myself. Like, like I was just like, I was like, how, how can there be a hell? Because every person in hell are like, there's somebody in heaven who's going to love and care about people in hell. And if they love and care about people in hell, then it's not going to be heaven for them. Right. That is definitely something for me. It was like, my siblings don't, they don't believe in God. And so I was always just thinking, I'm like, what's going to happen? I can't imagine like eternity without my brother and sister. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there were, there were a lot of like little holes like that. And then, um, I, um, I, I, I had a, um, a, a childhood sexual trauma experience in the church. Um, and that, I think, that was really definitive for me because like there was a very specific type of human that I just hated, you know, and, and, and like, and like, it's kind of like this, this persona of, of my abuser, like that's kind of like, and, and, you know, and at the time, like I, like I, um, I tried to tell, I can't remember which family members, either my dad or my grandpa about it and, and got dismissed, you know, and then it became like just part of the big ball of shame that I carried around with me already anyway, as, as a weird neurodivergent queer closeted queer kid, you know? Um, and, um, but yeah. And so, um, so I went, um, Went to, went to college at the University of Virginia, got super involved in the evangelical student groups there. Was crew, Crusade for Christ, I guess it might have been called back then? Yeah, so there was Campus Crusade. Uh, they, were, they, were too, they were too right-wing for me, um, or they were just too aggressive like with their evangelism. Okay. But, like, but I, was, yeah. I was pretty fucking aggressive. I just didn't tell people they were going to hell. Like, I, literally, I literally printed out my own tracks. Like I made tracks and I thought they were cool and kind of hipster or whatever. And I printed them out in the UVA computer lab and like I handed them out to people on the lawn. Oh my God, I want to see that. Yeah, and, there, and, there, and, and it was like, I made one where I was trying to be, I was trying to do the bait and switch thing, you know? And, and, and like, and, you know, it was so autistic. Like, it was just like not, I don't know, or, or I don't even know if that's the right well, word, but like, you like, know, I like, like seven, I, I wrote seven things I hate about Christians or something like that. And so I had this list of like, they're so this, they're so this, they're so this, but like, but it was like, you know, there was like a twist at the end, but, but we're forgiven by Jesus or something like that, you know? And, um, and, and, um, yeah. And, and there, so, so it was, people didn't really know what to make of them. Like, um, they often threw them on the ground. And so, so I would go and pick them up.
At least you didn't give like fake dollar bills as tips in restaurants. Yeah. Wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, that shit is just incredible <laughs> that that happens. But um, but yeah. So like, I was up for a leadership position in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and um, and this um, and we had to sign this thing that said. I believe the Bible is the inerrant, blah, 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 word of God, you know, like without error, et cetera, whatever. And one of my rivals who wanted the same leadership position, he was like, you can't sign that because you don't believe it. Because you don't believe that Noah's flood was really real. And, um, and so, um, and that was kind of, um, there were other things that were going on, but that was kind of a moment that part of the defining moment that, um, I started to break away. And one of, one of the other things that happened, I was, um, one of my roommates was like really into like hardcore Calvinism. And I remember he had these giant books by like Charles Spurgeon and J.I. Packer and like R.C. Sproul. And I remember those names and there were just these huge hardback books that just looked so, like the books looked angry. Mm. They look intimidating, yeah. And she's reading these big books, and um, he had he had a a, a, um, a meltdown, and ran away from school, and um, and like and and just and ended up like in this hotel room, like in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He was going to join the army, and it was kind of like, and and in that moment, like it was my second year of college. I was like, this shit literally makes you mentally ill. You know, like, like believing these crazy... I mean, believing you're, like, a little worm who's just, like, completely evil. Like, oh my god. Doesn't do great for the self-esteem. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, like, my friend literally lost his mind because of, you know, evangelical beliefs. And, um, and that was kind of like, um, yeah, the moment, like, like that, and then the thing with the leadership thing, that was when it kind of shattered for me. And, um, and then, um, yeah. And I remember I, I started going to this liberal Presbyterian church where the, the preacher like talks shit about Republicans in his sermon. And I was like, he, 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 he. you know, I, I thought it was so great. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, wow. So then just went through a bunch of different, um, different denominations in my early twenties was Unitarian for a little while. Um, yeah, and, and 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 when I was, um, but the other thing that was going on during this time, um, I I just I don't even know how to explain it, but I've had these mystical connections with the divine feminine, or with like a goddess, or the goddess, or the divine mother, or what you know, I call her different things, and that's that's what my poetry book Alma is about. So Alma um, is the Hebrew word that gets mistranslated as virgin um because mm. oh okay. oh like it's the phrase young woman like in isaiah is what you're saying the because i know that it's translated in greek to virgin to refer to mary yeah. what it refers to is whether when you're at the age where you're capable of having children but you're not yet married now you could infer from that that the person, you know, that the person is like not sexually active, but it's not specifically about whether you're sexually active mm-hmm. or not. It's about. I mean, yeah, in the culture at the time, likely, but not necessarily. Right, not necessarily, you know, and um, but anyway, like this, and so, so um, I was having these kind of these profound um, mystical experiences with um with this divine feminine energy and writing all this poetry about it. And so I remember when I was like, um, 23 and living in DC and hanging out, uh, getting immersed in the radical activist community, I was calling myself a Christian pagan. Um, you know, and, um, because I was like, it, you know, there's all these things that are matched together for me because like, you know, I'm, I'm still going to church. I'm still, you know, sort of, sort of going along with the official things, but in my personal spiritual practice, I'm, I'm hanging out with this, this beautiful. Well, I'm curious then, how did you make it through the UMC ordination process? I just, cause I know a little bit of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so basically 
Then when I got into my late 20s and early 30s, I was like, wow, I was so confused when I was young, you know, young 20 something. Isn't that, you know, isn't it ridiculous? You can't call yourself a Christian pagan. That's oxymoronic. You know? oh. And so I had a neo-Orthodox yeah. phase, you know, partly because I went to fucking Duke. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I use it strong language for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe people have different experiences of the university. I know, yeah. I know Alicia, one of our first guests, Alicia Crosby, went to Duke, but and also yeah. has critiques of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Blocking, I like but. spelling it D O O K, like Dookie. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, um, I don't know, there's just, there's just a lot of ego there and a lot of, um, and a lot of Carl Bart, and I got tired of Carl Bart. Um, I just, I, I think, I think Carl Bart's okay. It's just like a lot of Bardians are kind of snobbish. And then, um, I don't know, like, um, I just, you know, so, so, but, but at the time I was all eating up this kind of neo-orthodoxy thing. Like I can be orthodox, you know, and, um, but not, not evangelical, you know, necessarily. And, um, and so that was my thing. I was like, I'm progressive, but I'm orthodox. And, um, and I was kind of like, and I remember, yeah, being, you know, being a Methodist pastor, like, um, so, so I used to did go through the Methodist ordination processing, you know, and I, and, you know, I found ways of saying the things that, you know, to the satisfaction of the people, you know, examining me and, 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 you know, really tried to convince myself I believed in those things. And I don't know, to some degree, I still do. I'm just not, I just don't color between the lines, you know, anymore. Like, um, and, um, you know, because. Like, well, yeah, I mean, there are so many ways you can even interpret like Christian doctrines, interpreting the creed, like, you know. Um, and also, I just want to say to sort of give context to my question of like how you got through, I was like, how did you get through the Methodist ordination process where you have to like literally write down all your beliefs? Like, don't you have to, you have to like do that? You have to like write down like oh, all yeah. of your theological beliefs. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't even think I can make it through that at this point, or at least in the UMCs it currently is. But right. yeah, that I didn't know that that was part of that process. Oh, yeah. That sounds like it'd be jarring and then like also beliefs can change over time and even through the ordination process itself. yeah i mean it's just it's you know and and it's like and the thing is where i am now um i guess partly because of my training as like a somatic psychotherapist and and just um the way that i'm experiencing the divine now i feel like getting really um, wrapped up in rationalistic concepts and beliefs is a distraction, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, getting like super, and it it, it just kind of like a lot of Christian theology just feels like this nerd culture where, you know, people are like, you know, having all these arguments over minutiae and, um, and the way I understand things now, it's like grace is an embodied experience, not a rational concept. And as long as you just think of it as like a rational concept and it's like this 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 idea that, oh, yeah, well, God loves me unconditionally, blah, blah, blah you know, if, it's just, if that's just an idea, if that's just if that's just in your head, but it's not like in your bones you know, that you have this sense of like, I am safe in the universe because the creator embraces me. And I am, I am the, you know, I'm, I'm a divine child, you know, like, like when you feel that in your bones, it's a very different thing. Hmm. And like, in um, in, in psychotherapy, like, or in the attachment based psychotherapy that I studied, we call it secure attachment. When you're, when you're in a state, Mm -hmm where you're not anxious because you feel just completely secure and confident, you know? Um, and I think that secure attachment is what, what, what grace is about is, is about establishing, putting us in this place where we just trust in the benevolence of the universe that, you know, and, and, and sometimes I like, I like using universe and God interchangeably, you know, just to kind of, just yeah, to kind of, of mess course. with, you know, our usual way of talking because 
Um, I mean, the other thing is like, I think that a lot of Christian belief really put, you know, especially in this kind of, in this kind of Bardian way of thinking of like the, the holy, where God is like holy other, you know, you put him outside the universe as this kind of entity that's acting upon us. And, 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 and I feel like when you have a God who lives outside the universe and outside of time in this kind of perfect, like state of unchangeability, then you're going to have an attitude about the earth and the ecosystem that is reflected in how shitty everything is in our world now, you know, like, um, whereas when you see the earth as God's body and God is the mother who's giving birth to all of it all the time, then you have a basis for an ecofeminist theology where you actually, you know, treat everything with, with love because it's all part of God's body, you know? And, and so so that's, that's a big shift for me, you know, like, and just thinking about when you have a patriarchal conception of creation, you know, and, and it's like phallic and it's God creating by pointing a wand and, you know, and, and, and saying, let there be light, you know, with the wand that's different than God saying, let there be light and opening up her womb and giving birth to mm-hmm. giving birth to the universe, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I, so yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how did your mindset change into seeing God as both like mother, as mother, God, genderless God beyond gender God, because, um, even I still struggle with like, Again, I believe that God is every gender and beyond gender and no gender, but we're conditioned to believe God in the masculine and use masculine pronouns. So I'm curious to know for you, when did that change for you where you could very much say like mother God? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious if it's that. also like, like yeah. related. I'm sure it's related to your gender journey as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. And the thing is, like, it it's really um, me owning and embracing my mystical experiences of the divine voice and presence that I've encountered. And, and instead of, instead of thinking, okay, I have to color between the lines. I have to say father because I'm a Methodist pastor and, you know, and, and I've got to check the orthodoxy boxes. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's sort of hard to answer how. It's just, it's, it's a, a deep intuition that the one who loves me and who comes to me, you know, in, the, in, these, in, in these encounters, she's my mother. You know, she's also my lover, you know, and. Is that is that song where you sing "She is a mother"? Is that on the new album or? Oh no, yeah, that's that's a um, that when, whenever I do release like a that's a more of a praise song. So it's basically I have oh. I, I I made a song about the the forty second Psalm, the you know like a deer, hen is for the water, so my soul longs after you. I made a yeah. version of that, and in that song, the chorus I say you know, um that you know because because like in that psalm there's you know the psalmist is just feeling all this longing and despair and it's like why have you forgotten me god my tears have become my food it's my favorite psalm i love it so much and um and then and then and then the psalmist says oh you know why are you so cast down my soul you know um hope in god for you know and it's sort of like when when you read the psalm, it's kind of like the psalmist is sort of gaslighting himself, you know, like like saying all these terrible things, but then like, like oh, but I'm supposed to believe this. And so as I was reading it, I was like, well, what would it be, like, what would it mean, what would need to be true for me to be able to say these words authentically, for me to be able to say, like, yes, I'm having all this longing and despair, but I will hope in God. And, and the thing that came out was, well, 
when I realize that she's my mother, you know, and that, and that it's not, and, and see, yeah. And, and, and so it really fits together for me, this, this idea of mother as someone who is, um, we like, we're still inside her womb, you know, we're still part of her body, you know, as opposed to the, you know, this kind of puppet master sitting outside of time, you know, um, you know, who, who has this distant kind of fatherhood, um, you know, I think when, when we think of her as our mother, you know, it's like, it's, it's just that, 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 that notion of being, being in the womb of God, you know, and, and you think about like, yeah. Yeah. like, um, you know, Jesus saying, um, you know, you, you, you have to be born from above. Well, if you have to be born from above, yeah. how the hell do you get? Born? I was just, I was just thinking of the Julian of Norwich quote, like Christ is our true mother. Like, and I, I know it's like translated from the old English, so it, you know, this is kind of a paraphrase here, but like Christ is our true mother in whom we are ceaselessly born and out of whom we shall never come. Yeah. Because like if, Ooh, if, if God, if you got to get born again, there's got to be a womb involved. You can't just get born again if you've got, you know, a purely patriarchal, you know, trinity or something, you know? Yeah. There's got to be a womb somewhere, you know? And, um, yeah, so um, so I feel like, and, and the other thing about about just, just deciding, like, I'm just going to call her mother, is I'm kind of, I'm, I'm wanting to make a very deliberate break with patriarchal authoritarian Christianity, which I think is, is a disaster and has been a disaster for our world, you know? And, and I think that there's a lot of good that's mixed in with that disaster. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, I think of it like in, um, star Wars episode seven, when, um, when Ray is like scavenging the parts from the Imperial starship that crashed on, you know, her planet, and uh, yeah. and that's how I see the church is like this beach imperial starship that has a lot of parts that are useful that you can scavenge, but doing things in continuity with the imperial church, I'm just not, I'm not here for that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to do new things, and you know DIY and 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 and, and scavenge, you know, the good stuff but maybe create new structures and new um, new ways of practicing spirituality and community. Absolutely. And the way I see it too, is that Christianity is constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Like what are the evangelicalism that's only been come up with in the last 150 years? Yeah. They try like, to say they like, that's not the right. It's like, we figured it out. It's like, okay, what about the other? Like, and like all these people, uh, two thousand years like, that are like railing against deconstruction. Like I, I watched um the newest video from the New Evangelicals YouTube account, Tim Whitaker, um Ugh. chatting with uh, Pete Enns about um these like well yeah it was Tim Whitaker talking with Pete and Pete Enns about these like uh, I think it was Alyssa Childers and like some other evangelical folks being like they're departing from the historic Christian tradition. And I'm like, you don't, you're not in the, there is no historic Christian tradition. Good. I mean, there is, I'm... but they're also like, is it, there's not, uh, there's not a single one. There are multiple historic Christian traditions, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And like, you know, even from the very beginning, Christians haven't been on the same page about everything. They were like, they were like multiple councils trying to get the creeds right. And then even then we couldn't <laughs> agree on that. So that makes me want to read a poem. Can I read one of my poems? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that, um, one of the theological claims that 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 perhaps that I've been trying to put out there into the ether. Um, so, like in Genesis three, you know, the serpent hands Adam and Eve the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And 
I think that if the knowledge of good and evil is the fruit that the serpent hands to Adam and Eve that, that curses humanity, so the knowledge of good and evil, like where do we go, where do Christians go to find their knowledge of good and evil? Like what, you know, if you, if you heard the phrase, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, and it was in, and, and you didn't, it didn't have a reference to like a specific passage from the Bible, what would you think that fruit was? Like this is a very lesbian answer, but cherries. <laughs> well, but it was like, it's like the, it's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's, it's describing itself as a metaphor, you know, cause it's the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, but it's the Bible itself. And so this is this is a this is a okay. poem where I try to kind of explain that. It's called The Serpent's Fruit. Yeah, absolutely. He understood clearly that all he had to do was hold the Bible courageously for all the cameras after the black people had been removed from the square mm. by tear gas. And this has always been the purpose of the Bible to be held courageously so that moral high grounds could be established whenever black people protest. It is the duty of white Christian men to hold their Bibles with authority to make it clear whose side God is on. And surely there were many Bible-fearing, courageous Americans who paused from their Facebook battles to stand in their living rooms holding Bibles in their selfies to show the liberals that all Bibles matter and God chooses us since we're holding his Bible. Just like the first Bible teacher promised, we do not have to share the fruits of the garden if we're holding the one fruit that gives us the right to speak for God. Because that's the reason it's a curse to have the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Because if you have the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, then that gives you authority. And then you create an authoritarian hierarchy. And you try to play God. That's an interesting reinterpretation of like the serpent's words. You'll be like, yeah, God. It's more like you're gonna think you're like God when you're actually not. So the weaponization of the Bible is the reliving of Genesis three over and over again. Hmm. hmm. I like that. I like that um, interpretation of it, and especially like again bringing forth the memories of like the 2020 um it was such a yeah it's such a poignant image that like trump holding this bible at this church that i'm sure he had never even walked into before and he's holding it upside down (laughs) and you know he says two corinthians (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but yeah i mean you know it's like we've we've seen what the weaponization of the Bible does and what it looks like and how like even something that does have a lot of helpful wisdom when it's caricatured into a binary knowledge of good and evil, you know, into, into this kind of like, this is how you tell this, this is how you tell between the good people and the bad people, you know. When it's actually like, you know, a multivocal text across like thousands of yes. years produced across in multiple different people groups and languages and cultures. Yeah. It's not it's not just good and bad. It's you know, it's divine. Yeah, mystery. like it turns out people are way more complicated. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and that's and and I really think that honestly Honestly, I really think that the the Hebrew authors who developed that story, they were saying, you know, you know, the whole thing about, you know, um, you know, God, there's a quote, like, I'm not going to be able to remember it, but like, like about drinking, you know, if you drink, if you drink a little bit of wisdom, you end up with, you know, you, you drink, dip, drink deeply or drink not, because if you drink just a little bit, you end up with this caricature of wisdom as, you know, these kind of clunky black and white categories, mm. you know, and um, and you end up worse off than you would have been if you had never drinking the wisdom at all. And you're still running around naked in the woods, you know, without shame. But yeah. So, yeah. So basically um, what I'm really interested in now is how do we create spiritual communities where people can feel grace in their bodies 
you know, and have embodied experiences that give them the secure attachment that makes it so that we're not in fight or flight mode and we're calm and at ease and relaxed. Oh my God. I am going to have to tell you what I'm learning in my spirit and trauma class then. Cause like I, I, you know, part of the pedagogy of the class is that we're going to be in like these reading pod groups and the group that I'm joining is hopefully going to have a focus on like, so I guess we're going to have like, we're not going to have like a shared text, but we'll have a focus in like body and somatics through different theological lenses. Mm. So I'm focusing a lot on like queer and disability lenses for that. Um, Yeah. And I definitely, I'm already thinking about for the project at the end of the class. I, well, I guess this is the first time I'm announcing this on the podcast. My My capstone project at the Seattle school is going to be creating and putting on a creative writing workshop for queer Christian youth to empower them to tell their stories. Um, And so I'm thinking, but I'm thinking in in the spirit and trauma class, there's like a project we do at the end of it. And I was already asking her, I was like, could I like do something that would go towards my capstone project? And she's like, if it was like a small thing, yes. Um, And so I'm like, Ooh, I'm already thinking about like how, you know, I was, I was sort of thinking about this creative writing workshop in like a very wordy way, but I can also be like, what if there was a session where we like engaged our bodies in the act of like that thinking about our stories and that kind of thing. So I'm thinking that's what I'll develop for. Yeah. I'll create a session of the workshop where it's focused on the body. So I'm excited about that. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, and and, you know, and, and y'all can appreciate this, like, um, I have never felt more at ease in my body and more and more really filled with a sense of grace and safety than, you know, in, in, in queer and, you know, oftentimes both queer and neurodivergent communities, when you get that kind of intersection of those two, you know, like it's a space where I'm not afraid of fucking up, you know, like, like I'm like, I'm like, okay. And, and there's just such a gentleness with which people treat each other in those kinds of environments and, and just, just, a, just a, a, an attentiveness that I, that I think we have, you know, and I, and I think that part of it is because, you know, with just, I know, I know for me, like, it's like, I don't know, I've been bullied and rejected by so many people throughout my life because of just being fucking weird, you know, that, like, like I don't want anyone to, to, to. Thankfully, so much of like QCF is like so many neurodivergent people yes. and disabled folks and other weird folks, right? So. You know, and it's like, and 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 so, and and I think that um, so one of my um, you know, one of my favorite verses from the Bible um is from First Corinthians, and Paul says, you know, God has chosen the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise, and those who are despised and those who are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And um, it's like the outsiders who, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and you think like, I don't know. I mean, I really believe that the, that the, the, and I, and I, I don't know how strongly I want to say this, but I, but I, okay, I'll say it this way. I feel like the genuine church is the outsiders who create this gracious, safe community because of the ways that we've been crucified, you know? And, um, it, you know, you, you, and, and, and there's something about that, you know, like, um, the liberation theologian John Sabrino um, talks about the Pueblo crucificado. So it's like, not just that, you know, that, you know, Jesus saves us by engaging in this, some kind of, you know, transaction with the heavenly father, not that nonsense, but that, (laughs) but that, um, that what happens is the crucified see that God is with us, you know, the marginalized people see that God is with us and we receive the solidarity and empowerment from that. And when we have 
when we have an understanding of spiritual community where those who have been outsiders, those who have been rejected, crucified, marginalized, are the um, the the voices that we're listening to, and and the voices that are centered in in the way that we build community, it um, it just creates an environment where people can can experience grace, you know. Yeah, and I think one way that I've heard it um, last year was in talking with other people, especially like queer Christian spaces, queer outsider spaces, is it's the closest embodiment of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as yeah. in heaven, um, as we can be, at least in this particular mm-hmm. sphere, where it's it's just everyone from all different walks of life and beliefs and being able to celebrate and just be just be period mm-hmm. together and it's like in in and i think that i think the essential thing that um you know that that queer people have have taught me in in my long journey like i mean i i had so many they them people in my life so i was a campus minister for six years and we were like the the one queer centric I mean, we weren't just queer for I me. Mean, we were queer centric. Like we, we, we were probably like seventy five percent queer in in our the Nola Wesley Foundation, and um, and I was you know I was pulled out of the closet by my students, you know, and and you know just having having so many um so many they them folks, you know, and and I was like, huh, maybe maybe that's me too, you know, and. Um, yeah. And it's like, but the thing that, the thing that I've, the gift that I've received from the queer community that, 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 you know, is the body matters. Like our bodies matter. We're not just brains with the inconvenience of a meat sack surrounding them, you know. We're not just souls that are going to like rise up. It's like our bodies are also part of or at least, you know, in my theology, our bodies are part of, like, the eschatological yeah. vision of, like, yeah. final destinies and all that shit. Right, <laughs> so. you know? And so, like, and um, and so what I, you know, so I, um, a lot of times on Sunday, so I've, my family has been attending a, a queer-affirming Baptist church in Williamsburg, Williamsburg Baptist Church. It's, it's, it's pretty much the best church around in our area because what's the only queer i love little queer herman lollygagging churches oh my gosh and so we so we love it but also i like to go to richmond on sundays instead of church sometimes and a lot of times because there's um ecstatic dance and um and something and also something called contact improv where Oh, I love yeah, it is improv. so cool. So like contact improv is is basically a form of dancing where it's kind of like it's kind of like the way that you, when you when you watch a ballet and, and people are you know interacting with their bodies and making all these different shapes by combining bodies together and like sometimes lifting each other up and and and, 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 and interacting in all these ways. It's like that except it's completely improvisational. And so you get into your animal self, um, you know, interacting with other people's bodies, and what what and and, so, and then ecstatic dance is basically um, can include contact improv, but it's essentially all that it means is like you're dancing according to your intuitive flow in a way that doesn't involve you know official like choreography or like correct steps you know that you follow you're just flowing intuitively and you're vibing off of the body language of the other people in the room um and when i do that when i do those activities i feel like that's my best form of worship because because the way that i understand worship now um because i don't see god as a someone out way out there you know outside of the universe but God as the womb of love that's giving birth to me and to all of us, you know, continuously, um, you know, worship 
is not so much about paying a compliment to someone else. It's about delighting in the present moment in my body and having these Yeah, I was just thinking the other day, I was like, worship is like us bringing our full selves to God, God responding in love and us also responding in love back. Yeah. Sort of the way that I was thinking about it. Yeah, having just sharing in delight, you know, and, 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 and participating in divinity. Which, which, you know, participating in God's joy, being, being God's joy, you know, having, sharing in this, this experience of, um, yeah, of, of, of just, of just embodying love, you know, and, and so, um, so my, my dream, um, that I, and I've had this dream for a long time, actually, like, like I've, I've wanted to build, to create a dance church for like 20 years, um, And, um, and that's like, ultimately, you know, I would love it if one day, like, like there was a church where we danced the whole time and and, like all the, you know, I'm thinking about something that's so a really interesting concept I've learned at the Seattle school. I'm bringing up my grad study so much during this talk, but, uh, um, you know, the concept of perichoresis, which is like the Trinity engaging in this ecstatic dance. It is. Yes. Um, It is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the um, yeah. perichoresis, the the way that the Trinity is continuously overlapping, and um, mm-hmm. oh, and I need to show you my favorite icon. Um, I guess since it's a podcast, other people won't see this, but this is the Rublev icon oh, of the Trinity. Yeah, we can which is, we can probably find that online and put it in the yeah, Instagram post. It's like yeah, so it's like. These three gorgeous angels, and you can't tell what freaking gender they are because they're beyond gender. They're just beauty, and um, and that's you know, and 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 they and they like they just look at each other with such love, you know, and that's and that's God is God is the dance party, you know, where people are enraptured with with each other and enjoying the delight of being in this state of connection you know and i I think that's what the trinity represents it's not like you know three dudes sitting on a throne like folding their arms or something no it's a dance party it's a fight you know yeah and 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 honestly i think i mean i'm you know i'm kind of out there coloring outside the lines but i i don't think it has to be father son and holy spirit every time maybe it can be mother father son mother daughter spirit you know like like we can we can exchange other archetypal words you know but the point being that it's more than two you know it's not just a a dyad it's uh it you know the 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 trinity is like space for relationality that goes beyond um Mm -hmm. yeah this sort of endless giving and receiving of love Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is, God's a throuple. <laughs> yes, God is a polyamorous, polyamorous yes. being. We love to see it. <laughs> I know. Listen, every every theologian has is some issue, whether they admit it or not, explaining the Trinity and the triune God. Um, they have not said thruple. They have not said triad. Um, and I think that's the best explanation, yes. but we're just not going to talk about that. Yes. Not even necessarily like in a sexual way, but yeah, <laughs> right. still a trouble. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and, um, but, but the point being that, and, and it illustrates something about love that, that, that we, you know, this, the, this, just notion that that we're that we're supposed to like just find one other person and have that be the only place like like the the one person that we love and then everyone else is kind of like way secondary to that that's not a trinitarian view of love you know like we you know um whether we're monogamous or poly like we need to find ways of being in the world and, and loving people that where we're not just cut off and isolated into mm-hmm. just a little. We belong in community. Yes. Right. You know, like Jesus says, you know, 
you know, my, my mother and brother, you know, they're the people from his town came to him and they're like, they're like, your mother and brothers are looking for you. He said, what are you talking about? My mother and brothers are right here. You know, this is, this is my family, you know? And, um, but yeah. Okay. So I want to read another poem. Can you do that? Yeah. Absolutely. And this one. Yeah. This is, this is also coloring outside of the lights of Christianity, but I think, um, this is, that's why yeah. we're here. I always like to say, I'm like, I don't clutch my pearls at anything. Yay. You know, anything is fine right. here. All right. This is about, um, this is called Becoming God. And it's just a title poem of my first poetry book. Becoming God happens when we get our elbows and knees just right for snuggling, except that it's billions of bodies and nobody has deodorant and everyone is farting with growling tummies. But we start to find our bones sliding into alignment so that we tickle and rub together with no less innocence than a meadow of flowers. And we stop saying mine about anything since all of it really can be all of ours. When all our bodies fit like a jigsaw puzzle and no one remains outside the circle, when our eyes turn into mirrors of smiles that ripple like sunbeams over the, dancing over the sea, when earth is not different than our skin and we stop building a world without dirt, when we no longer try to steal land or climb to the top or out-hustle everyone else, when glory is all that we see in our field of vision and we trust its magic, when we hold hands every time we pray and make sure no one falls asleep without kisses, then we will be God. Not because we can do anything on our own, but because God is the giant cuddle pile that never stops drawing bodies into its warmth, just like the protozoans who worked patiently over billions of years to cuddle their way into human bodies. One day, we will be galaxies glowing in perfect belonging, and hell will finally be empty. Hmm. I love that. Hell is empty. Yeah, whenever whenever so people good. ask whenever people ask me about my view of hell, I'm like, hell exists, but no one's there. So <laughs> Right. Well well and, and, and hell is like isolating yourself. Saying I can't be part of the cuddle pile because I'm right and everybody else is wrong, hmm. you know. But like, um, you know, I just think I mean I mean we're you know and 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 I think of heaven and hell like I like I just I have no idea what you know I'm kind of like I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards the Buddhist and Hindu idea like in terms of afterlife like I'm thinking that maybe maybe these are yeah. maybe yeah. these are like cycles and we, we come back in different bodies or something. I don't know. But, but the moments of heaven that I've experienced have been when I'm connected with, I'm, I'm, I'm with other bodies and we're in sync and we're like, you know, like we're, you know, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We're like a vine of bodies. We're connected okay. in some kind of way. It doesn't have to be, you know, literally physically yeah. touching, yeah. but we're in tune with each other. Um, like we, 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 we experience, we're experiencing the same reality um, and the same being together. And I, and I think that that's, you know, it's kind of like, God is like the song that dances us into, in, into communion with each other, you know, and we, um, and we, we participate in that song and we, we become part of that song. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I think about when I think of perichoresis, you know, and the, and, and the Trinity yeah. is that like the, you know, and, and the nerdy words for it are like the, the thing they came up with in one of the councils was that, well, God is one usia, which is like essence, in mm -hmm. three hypostases, which I don't, I don't even remember exactly how that translates. Oh, yeah. Hypostatic union. Yeah. Yeah. But right. But like, so, so it's like the usia, I feel like that's a song that choreographs us into, um, mm -hmm you know, into a state of communion, into being a, a body of Christ, you know? And, um, 
you know, the other thing, I keep on thinking of little things I want to mention. Um, but um, every time you see the word Christ in the Bible, um, the original readers who read that word, they would they, they would have seen the word anointing or anointed one. Um, and so I think that's an important thing to remember is that it's not just a fucking name. It's like when it's a title for a specific purpose. Yeah. Like, like basically to be to, the way that I understand is to be in Christ is to know my anointing as a divine child, you know, like, like to know that, that I am part of the divinity that's in the universe and that the mother or father or whatever we want to call them, this, you know, we could also call them the ancestors. I mean, I think, I think father is the singular version. Ancestors is the plural version of the same concept, but the, the ones, the ones who have gone before us, who have, you know, who were part of creating this whole thing, just like we are, because we're, we're, we're creating it too. We're just on a much, you know, in our own little ways, we're all participating in this, you know, creative process. But like, when I have that anointing, you know, and I trust that, that this universe loves me and that, and that, you know, that I'm, that I'm in this womb of this, of this incredibly um, compassionate mother, you know, when I have that anointing, I stop being an asshole because I'm not worried about like, Oh gosh, you know, I have to get mine because I've got to fight with other people and compete with other people for, resources no i can be woven into the same ecosystem and and we can share what we have none of it none of it's mine all of it is all of ours yeah we lack for nothing we lack for nothing yep when we when we really are woven in yeah i think that's a pretty good positive spot to sort of yeah end our time on um i guess our last thing is like where where can folks support you or follow you on social media and um, anything else you want to sort of shout out? You can. Sweet, yeah. So um, so I am Starchild Druid. One word. So Druid, like the Celtic priest dudes. Because I'm, I'm I'm actually I, I'm I'm thinking of going into Druidry. Actually, I mean I I, I think I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be a Christian Druid. Like I'm thinking of joining the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. Um, so I think that's so, so cool. that yeah because like because, join the cool Christian witches <laughs> right right well that's the thing is that is that I don't I just don't see there being a conflict because it's what 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 druidry and witchery is you know what what it's about to me is um having meaningful ritual interactions with the ecosystem around me being connected to the earth and um you know, and using those for the purpose of creating experiences of grace, which is what I think Christianity is about, is like inviting people into the grace. So anyway, yeah, so Starchild Druid, one word, is my handle on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Um, and then on Facebook, I go by my other name, Morgan Guyton, um, which isn't a dead name, it's just another name. Um, and um, then... You can find Starchild, Dolly for President, my album. Oh, yeah, Spotify, what's the link? Yes, in the show notes. Spotify and all the streaming platforms. And um, yeah, and then um, also you can email me at starchilddruid at gmail.com. Um, my books, I kind of use this like sort of um, small scale uh local publisher for them so they're not they're not really like they're not on amazon and stuff um but if you would like Good for you <laughs> i know if you right would like a copy of becoming god or alma um you can email me starchilddruid at gmail.com and i will send you a signed copy of my book and um yeah and alma is twenty dollars because it's it's kind of long it's like 300 pages and becoming god is ten dollars because it's a little bit shorter but yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for yeah. sharing. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I just I, I, I love what y'all are doing. And I, and, and I just love the concept of reclaiming the garden. Yes, mm -hmm. because, you. you know, it's just 
that's that's the thing we're trying to get we're trying to get back to the garden you know and like have have a world that is a garden and not fucking capitalist plantation you know so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah but yeah thank you so much for your poetry and your words of wisdom we were so glad to have you on yeah. um and yeah absolutely we are honored to have you in our circle of humans yes, yes yeah, hopefully we'll get to see you, see you next year at qcf sometime soon okay so high of the week well i mean i kind of know what it is for you you're just right out of conference well, uh yeah i guess my high of the week i'll i'll keep it short sweet and to the point I was at the uh, QCF conference this past weekend in Albuquerque, and uh, as per usual, it was amazing. It was you and Artie must have had fun in the room. I'm guessing y'all were roommates, or we were roommates. Yeah, Um, it was wonderful. Um, Again, like we had our little group of humans, where it was Artie, um, Aaron, Eli, Emmy, a lot of E names, uh, Emerson, Jesse. Um, just it was so it was such an August too. I saw August so in many the photos. People. And August and oh my gosh. And Charlie. Like so yeah, I guess if any of y'all are listening to this, yes, I just gave you a shout out. Um, but so many amazing humans. Um, and it was such a wonderful experience. And next year's conference is gonna be in Atlanta and I've already signed up for the payment plan. I am gonna um, sign up so soon. I, I was not, you know, in person this year. I am I have a virtual ticket, but I actually also didn't even get to watch any of the virtual sessions. Yeah. I didn't get to watch any of the virtual <laughs> sessions yet because like I think I'm mentioned my my program is technically low residency and so we had our like residency this intensive in-person thing like right on the days of qcf um yeah so i so i did have fun with um meeting my classmates in person especially because like the last required residency we went to was like last year's winter residency so some of them i hadn't seen in person for a year and now we've really sort of grown together and gotten a lot closer um particularly the women in my cohort we call ourselves the badass theology women um so yeah and if you you saw my instagram the other day i posted a photo of me with them because i love them so much um yes (laughs) it was also wonderful to be able to say hi again it's so fun to be like talk to like kevin garcia oh and my god be like hey like nice to see you again and well, then, like i had a mask on the whole time uh, but it was like we're climbing the garden we were on you we were on the show they're like oh yeah so it's always like nice to be able to and hopefully i'm thinking of like i'm gonna meet kevin in person next year because they better be at the conference that's in their town <laughs> yo they were so excited okay. um for conference to be announced in atlanta so hopefully they're there um and also to give a little bit of a i don't know if it's a Shout out to April, I guess, but it's also the thing of so many people were like, "Are you guys on the podcast stage this year?" And I was like, "No, next not this year. year." Oh, is April well, is April coming when she get here? And I'm like, "Oh, like she's not here this year." So uh, hopefully next year uh, we are back on podcast stage. Um, and we, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. But April, so just so you know, you were very missed at conference mm-hmm. this year. I know, I know. I just saw Aaron posted a comment. <laughs> um, on Facebook when I, cause uh, Brianna post, uh, Brianna also, uh, um, you know, who's in the QCF squad. She couldn't come this year either. I think do some, just some just life stuff. Um, life. yeah. 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 Um, but hopefully she also, I think is trying to get there next year as well. So we'll have the squad yeah, back together. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess, yeah. Part of the high was, yeah. Seeing my classmates. And then, um, there was also like student leadership retreat stuff that happened, so getting to mm-hmm. connect with folks in student leadership as well. Um, and I'm also just really excited about my classes this term, Spirit and Trauma. So looking at trauma through a theological lens. And um, one of my books that I've started reading is Post-Traumatic Public Theology, edited by Stephanie Arl and Shelley Rambo. Um, and it's really interesting. And then um, my Christology class, first Christology class happened today. So thinking about jesus and what it what it all means you know because there's various ways amazing uh, and then i my class that i have tomorrow is collaborative community development so like i think this is going to be my favorite term i'm really excited about all of the cool stuff that's going to happen but oh, so i should exciting. say in speaking about what our next episode is going to be um because i have such like a lot on my plate going into my next two terms of grad school um we are going to be doing just interviews i think until like june uh we're probably gonna do still twice a month just because like it's not really 
the time recording time that's a problem for me like the amount of time recording it's more just I don't really have the energy or capacity to prepare topic content beforehand you know not a lot of like research outside of what I'm doing for school but you know I think it'll be fun we definitely I feel like yeah gonna be fun to find the folks to have on the pod and um if things work out and if things don't work out and I can just cut this out maybe um we should our next episode should be with Tim Whitaker from the New Evangelicals so yes which by the way he you know some people who might not know what the new evangelicals is might be a little bit like concerned given our podcast but um uh even he said that he sort of kind of regrets the title but is just sort of going with it still sure um he's very much like supportive of lgbtq folks and like the people you know people who are leaving the basement of evangelicalism as he calls it so gotcha yeah well, okay, on to the plug. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm. But we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.